This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Now, today we're going to be doing a special kind of medica- meditation. Medication. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's like medical today. Uh, a special kind of meditation. And, uh, and first of all, obviously, welcome to Asia Torah's Essentials program here in the Holy City of Jerusalem. And this meditation will be an interesting one because it's a class that I've taught many, many times, but never done it as a meditation. Like, you probably heard this class ten times. Which one? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> it doesn't exactly have a title, but it's. But many of you have heard the class, and but never done it as a meditation. So it's actually a very powerful meditation exercise. And uh, let's, let's begin. So it's like this. Um, the first... Uh, this pen looks a little lame, which is good right now. Anyone know which pen's working well? Oh, this one looks lame too, but let's see. Um, what we're going to do is, is uh, we're going to do a special meditation that's going to be Kabbalistic by nature. And let's see if I got any better pens or not. That's no good. Try this other one. Centrifuge. So, just bring the ink to the front of the pen. Yeah, but what was that thing you said? Don't ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When he was uh, trying to create uh, whatever thing he was trying to create, it was. Okay. Um, we're going to start. We'll burn a little. Uh, we'll burn a little incense just to get this smells of the room where they belong. Not, I'm not saying anyone smells in here. The smells right now are neutral, but we're going to uh, make it special. Uh, my wife's always wondering when she washes my clothes why there's green things in the pockets. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So we're going to start with just some breathing exercises, and uh, breathing exercise, what we'll do is we'll do abdominal breathing, abdominal breathing, uh, those watching this live, so just kind of uh, move with what we're doing, so do this in front of your screen. Uh, what you want to do is, uh, in abdominal breathing, you want to expand this, the belly on the inhale, and then contract the belly on the exhale, okay? So uh, you'll notice in my hand on my belly is... Look at my sh- my chest and shoulders. You'll see that they do not rise at all. They stay neutral. Watch. See, only my belly is contracting, and only my belly is expanding. Whereas chest breathing's like this: your stomach. That's called a double breath. That's a lot of air. And what happens with belly breathing? is your diaphragm lowers when your stomach expands, and it causes the lungs to take in a much fuller breath. So let's all practice that. Everyone put your hand on your belly. And uh, right now, pay no attention to the breath. Just show how fat you are to your friends. Oh, I'm so fat. And they'll show how thin you are to your friends. Oh, I'm so thin. Show how fat you are and inhale nose. And show how thin exhaling mouth. 
subtracting the belly as you blow out. Helping those. Exhale through the mouth. Inhale through the nose, close your eyes. Hold your breath. Your eyes closed, focusing on the area between your eyebrows. Exhale, mouth. Make your lips real tight, like a straw. So you exhale, controlled and slow. Inhale, nose, expanding the belly. Hold your breath, focusing on the energy between your eyebrows. All your energy focused between your eyebrows as you hold your breath. Exhale slowly through the mouth. Anyone whose eyes are still open, you are safe here. Okay? When I say, when I say close your eyes, mine are closed too. Okay, blow out first. Inhale, nose. Hold the breath, focusing on the energy between the eyes. Exhale, mouth. Open your eyes. Okay, we'll, we'll smell a little Israeli sage. There's over a hundred types of sages, and uh, Israeli sage is the, uh, probably one of the sweetest smelling sages mm -hmm. you could ever smell. It's really something. It's a lot like California sage, which is also super sweet. Some of the ornamental sages that the landscapers will sell or install or, or sold in plant stores just they don't do it at all, and they certainly don't do sweet. Whereas uh, an Israeli sage is super sweet. You smell it yet? Mm -hmm. Smell it over there. You smell it yet? No. Okay, it's gonna come. Don't worry. Super strong. People think it smells like marijuana, which is also the sweet smell. I only know that from walking through the Shuk Machani Yehuda. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have a clue about such things. <laughs> Just light a little more. Maybe I'll bring it through the room a little bit. You got the smell already? It started smelling it. It's a kind of sage that if you do it, if you do ingest it, if you do ingest it, it sends you off into a completely different world for for like a period of time, not a long period of time. But you are one hundred percent no longer here. It's one of the kinds of sages. And, uh, it's probably considered the most strongly disassociative substance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's in my house, and there's been sage burning all day in my house. What? 
So if you remind me, I will burn more sage more often. Yeah. You guys like it? Yeah. yeah. It's nice. It's wonderful. Yeah. I'll burn it in the you just, you'll do your own little sage burning up here. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's begin our meditation. And uh, we're going to head over here. Um, so this is a, a Kabbalistic meditation. And the, step, the first step we're going to do is, before there was something, there was nothing. Okay. So... Everyone taking a breath, close your eyes. We're in. Taking a breath, close your eyes. Release. And let yourself just with very little distinction. That's why when we say Shema, we don't want to see anything. Okay, opening up your eyes. And now... We're moving to the next step, and that is what Judaism calls that nothing. What does Judaism call the nothing that precedes the something? Okay, we call that God, because God is not a thing. Okay, This bottle is a thing, these cups are things, the table is a thing. Everything you would point to in the world of space and time would be a thing. Whereas God is not a thing at all. God is, well, God's creating the thing, so he's much bigger than nothing, but... He's endlessly bigger than everything. But we're not going there right now. What we're going into right now is the Kabbalistic definition of God, which is uh, with an Aleph Yud Nun Ein, which means Ein, or Ein Od, or, or uh, Yesh Ein. Our world's called something from nothing, Yesh Ein. This world's a something from nothing. So it's called Ein. So, okay, close your eyes again, take a deep breath. And let yourself drift into the nothingness that precedes the somethingness and realize that that nothingness is God. Meaning it's not, God's not physical. It precedes physicality. Keep breathing with your eyes closed and letting yourself come to the grasp of that which you cannot grasp. In fact, the human mind cannot grasp nothing. You can't grasp nothingness, like you might say there's nothing in my hands right now, but they're actually full of air. Our minds cannot grasp it. It's beyond comprehension. Nothing. Just like God is beyond comprehension. But realize that the nothing that precedes the something is God. Opening up your eyes. Now, there are two things that we know about this nothing. I mean, you can't imagine knowing too much about nothing, right? Imagine knowing anything about nothing. A little difficult. But uh, there's something you can know about nothing. One of those things is that it is one. Why? Because you can't have two nothings. What do you get when you multiply nothing by 30? What do you get? Nothing. Nothing. It's an indivisible oneness. So whatever that nothing is, it is absolutely one. You can only have one nothing. Okay, close your eyes, inhale. Before there was something, there was nothing. 
that nothing is what is called God out of lack of definition because you cannot define it. And you can only have one nothing. And so get in touch now with the singularity of it all. Whatever that nothing is, it's absolutely one. Undifferentiated oneness. There's a singularity to this nothingness that precedes creation. You can whisper the word echad, inhale. Exhale with the word echad. It's one. Do it long on the ah. Inhale. Exhale. And you just very gently put your tongue to your teeth for the dalad of echad. It has no it has no vowel, so it's just, it's without a di that you just let your tongue touch your teeth at the end. Inhale. Whatever it is, it is nothing, and it's one. because the propensity of nothing is to remain nothing. For example, if there was nothing in my cup and I were to cover it in plastic wrap and seal it really good and then, you know, like many, many times and then bury it for a thousand years, if we dug up the cup, what would be in it? Nothing. Nothing stays nothing. In this particular case, though, this nothing created a world and that shows many things that shows number one intention you see that whatever the nothing is it has intention because the propensity of nothing is to remain nothing and since there went it went from nothing and then it created something so it shows that it has intention and it also has ability because not only did it intend it also did create and and it also has extreme ability because it not only created, but it created vast systems, whole galaxies, a whole space-time continuum, with the sun in its or in its rotation, um, the sun in its position, the Earth in its rotation, all the heavenly bodies moving exactly in their distance to the sun with a perfect system, whether it be the hydrological system or the, the uh, vegetation system or the... Um, every system is going on to the systems that are running your body and keeping you alive and healthy. Those are all happening as a result of this intelligence. Otherwise, what would it be? 
but could be doing it. Common sense says things are usually caused into existence. And therefore, the, whatever's causing us into existence has extreme intelligence. But it goes even further, because it defies nature, this being, because it, things that expand get more chaotic as they expand. Whereas this expansion gets more order as it expands. That's why you can see the cosmos and the those, uh, what do you call those shapes out in the cosmos, those amazing shapes out there that are like thousands of light years across? What do you call those things? Nebulae? Yeah, it's like there's all this artwork going on out there. There's artwork. Some of those pieces of art that are floating up in the galaxies are higher, are larger than the Earth by like, but larger than our solar system by like massive amounts. Yet they create art. There's this beautiful art out there. So you see absolute gorgeous shapes that have many colors, are, which are light years across, thousands of them, tens of thousands of light years across. Mm -hmm. I don't know how fast a light year is. It's a, it's, it's a large, vast piece of artwork. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, now, but you see order being created. Not only that, look at the order of Earth. The order we get to see all around us, there's an order to it all. Well, expansion should create chaos, yet this expansion creates order. So it's, it's anti-scientific in a way, this, the order that's being formed all around us. This is one of the great mysteries of science, is trying to figure out how order came out of, out of what should have been entropy which is chaos. Clear? Okay, take a deep breath. And release into the order and the intelligence and the consciousness of this creator. The intention of this creator. Realize that nothing, which is really God, which is obviously something, is its propensity would be to remain nothing. Yet, uh, can you invite this guy in, please? Excuse me. Invite him in. Come on in. We're doing a little uh, meditation. That's why the lights are off and it smells good. You can close the door. Just grab any seat. Close your eyes again. That the, let's go back to the propensity of nothing to remain nothing, but in this case, nothing becomes, it doesn't become it, but it creates creation. And therefore is a conscious being. So the nothing's actually conscious. It's a conscious being. It takes up no time and space. It's inconceivable to the human mind. Yet it is totally conscious, has intention, ability. Take a deep breath. Hold your breath, focusing on the energy between your eyes, where your intelligence is, the frontal lobe of your brain. You've also been given intelligence. Release your breath. And realize how Hashem's intelligence, God's intelligence, which is called Chochmah, Bina, and Das, or Sechel, 
that you also have that. Chachma is your right brain, your associative mind. Bina is your left brain, your analytical mind. And Das is your decisive brain. So the intelligence created you in its image. That's what it means to be in the image of God. This being is not made of anything, and therefore there's no image. It has no image. But it does have intelligence, and you were created in its image, meaning you've been given intelligence. And that same intelligence that created the world is the intelligence you've been given to create whatever it is you choose. May you choose well. Inhale into this intelligence. Realizing this intelligence is what precedes creation, yet it fills creation. And it also fills you as you're made of that intelligence and you possess the intelligence. You are partners with God. That is why you can call God Ata in the second person, because you are partners, you are contemporaries in creation. Next is that the is what did God use to create the world? Did he go to Home Depot? Did he go to Costco? Did he go to Target? What did God make the world out of? You ever thought about that? What God made the world out of? You ever thought about that? I'm not sure. Not sure if you thought about that. What did God make the world out of? Did he go to the Ben Yehudim football to create the world? Like, If all there was was this intelligent being made of nothing, just pure consciousness, if all that's, the, if that's all there was, what did it use to create the world? Words. Yeah, well, it used all that there was. Well, what was there? There was nothing except for God. So it made the world out of its own intelligence. Meaning whatever is intelligence to God, which is beyond our ability to think about, but whatever that is, is what the world's made of. So the world's ultimately made of God. And that is um, how we, we would put that as um, that we, meaning the physical world, I'll make it some lowercase, we are it, uppercase. We are it because it creates us out of itself. So we are ultimately it. But we're not really it. We're more in it. But, because you'll see the next step is he's obviously endlessly beyond it. But uh, it's infinitely beyond it. We'll get to that. But right now, if all there was was it, so we are made of it. Okay, close your eyes. Inhale. 
exhale. Inhale. Hold your breath, focusing on the front of your forehead, between your eyebrows, and considering that we are made of it. It created us from itself, and therefore we are it. Exhale. Now breathing normally as you contemplate the fact that the sounds you're hearing right now from my voice are not English, but they are vibrational frequencies moving across the room, hitting a tympanic membrane in your ears called an eardrum. And there's a little monkey playing drums on it, sending electrical signals that are of complex mathematics hitting your neurons of your brain. The neurons of your brain are matching it to every bit of English you've ever heard and projecting it to you, which is the soul. Your soul is being reported to by the neurons that you're hearing English. But in fact, all there really is, is God. This is all just a vibrational reality. Take in a deep breath. Hold your breath and open your eyes while holding your breath. Look around the room. Realize this is also vibrational. Exhale. Look around and realize that everything around here, this is the only reason you see anything is because there's obviously photons of light. Those are moving also in frequencies. And wood has a frequency. There are laser beams that could dance right between the raindrops of your wood table and burn the floor made of stone with a laser beam just tuned to the right speed of the vibrational energy of creation. The whole entire creation is made of this. And we have a name for it in Judaism. It's called Elokus. In English, it's called the Divine. And that name, Elokus, we use in every bracha, which is the word Elokeinu. And that is a name of God, of how God manifests from infinite to finite into the world of the divine, into the physical. Now, our world seems kind of dead to the touch because it is the outer crust of the divine. So the whole realm of the divine hits an outer crust, which is physical. But it's just as much the divine as the inner crust. Meaning inside the crust is clearly the divine if you were to see it. It would be charged with vibrational energy. And this world, which seems kind of dead to the touch, is just the outer crust of that, which doesn't make it any less divine. It just makes it less apparent, less apparently divine. But it is strobing into existence. And there's no such thing as time. God doesn't do time. God creates the world from nothing, as we spoke about. It's just that to the human uh, viewer, the human observer, Lots of nows becomes time. You get that? A succession of nows appears as the passage of time. But there is no passage of time. There is only now. That's all there is. God doesn't do time. That would not be possible. And if there's one thing, you know, they, the famous joke, like, is there anything God couldn't do? Well, the one thing God couldn't do is time. 
Why? Because God is just one now. He's just a constant unfolding of nowness. Uh, sorry, he's a nowness. He unfolds our world out from the infinite into the finite. And this is just a succession of nows, of just God manifesting to creation. Close your eyes, breathe. And just staying in tune with the fact that God is manifesting through what we call in Hebrew Elokus or Elokeinu. If you're Sephardi, you actually say Elokut. Ashkenazim say Elokus. Take in a breath. Just say Elokus. yourself with your eyes closed breathing to disappear into the elokus. I mean that's all there is anyway so you're there anyway. You're just getting cognizant to the elokus that you disappear into. strobing in and out of self-consciousness versus God-consciousness. Enod milvadon, there is nothing but Hashem. closed and breathing, that this classroom, well, you, your body, your clothes, your, the classroom, the old city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Middle East, the globe, our solar system, our galaxy, our universe is all ultimately. So everything you will taste, from fresh produce to craft beer, is all elocus. Your body's been lined with nerve endings for your pleasure of elocus, only for elocus. That is why the covenant is on that part of the man's body, because that's the greatest focus of elocus. why on our holiest day the connection day of Shabbat which is for the connection that Shabbos is when you spend time doing the most pleasurable things because in your pleasure is at the Elokus
endlessly beyond us. It's infinite being. Incomprehensibly large. This is a being that you'll never get your head around. Even when you pass away, you don't, you don't get a sudden interview with it. It's, it's endlessly beyond. The understanding that you'll be given, depending on the level of level of level of level of, of vibrational reality that you'll be made privy to inside the crust. Because when you die, you get to go into the crust. Meaning inside to the moist, the moist cake inside the, we're in the outer dry crust. When you get in there, you will spend the rest of your life learning in the most amazing ways. Have you ever had a learning experience where you just felt elated? You ever had that, like a, where you just discovered something and, and it just gave you an elated feeling? Because, and you know it was true if you got the elated feeling. Because you only get an elated feeling. Meaning you can study stuff in university and never get that feeling. But once in a while you'll get that elated feeling. I had it a couple times in sociology. Um, where it was just a truth. And it gave me that kind of... Kind of like, like you're standing a thousand feet high with a view of creation. And so that elated feeling is, is what you get in the outer crust. Imagine what it's like inside what you learn. It's actually shared that uh, the NDEers, the near-death experience people who are brought back to brought back to life on like hospital tables and with the people jumper cables, the, uh, they say that when they go, wherever they went, where their soul traveled to, it was like, some of, many of them have said that it's like buildings made of information and when you go inside, you have access to the information. And it's all made of, the whole thing, and the whole creation is made of wisdom. Mm. And when they come back to this earth, it doesn't matter what they did for a living previously, except if it was selfish. If it was selfish, they'll quit and find a new occupation that's giving. And they'll, all, but they'll spend the rest of their lives voraciously devouring wisdom. Mm -hmm. They just, meaning it could be a trash truck driver who will continue being a trash truck driver. But as soon as he's off work, he's pouring over books after his near-death experience because now he realizes that the whole thing is made of vibrational information. It's all information. If everything's vibrational, that's called information. It's, it's all digital information. And it's being beamed down. This is the outer crust, which you see scientists will spend their whole lives in universities you know, studying it. Like They seem excited and fascinated by the outer crust. Imagine where it's beaming from what you get to study and how fascinating the, the inside the crust is compared to what a scientist will spend their entire life studying, just the outer crust. And it's fascinating for them. And the reason you're in this room is because you like the inside. That's what we study when we're studying Torah, we're studying the inside. We study plenty of the outside too, believe me. There's lots of that too. Like, what do you do when you find someone's wallet, you know? Mm -hmm. That's outer crust question. And we go into great detail on these outer crust things. 
But isn't Torah like the, co- the connection between the two? The, the inside and the outside? Like, it looks Torah, like it's outside, it but does. it's really... Oh, I see. Do you know I what I mean? Like, yeah. Even like finding somebody's wallet is really like... It really is inside. Yeah. 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 Well, it connects, obviously, if you're doing all the things that Talmud says about how to find the, the guy who lost his object. I almost called him a loser. Um, to catch, <laughs> to find that guy is you're finding yourself, really. Mm. Why? Because all the effort and all whatever you might spend, you might spend more returning the object than was the object. Mm-hmm. And all that effort is just you caring enough about another human being. Well, why would you ever care about another human being? Unless, of course, you saw that human being as yourself, meaning that, which is the commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning you have to stay focused on this person who lost the object is you. And you've got to sense yourself, how would you feel having lost that object? And how can I get this object back to me in that other person? How can I care that much? And then that's real inner Torah. That's the inner, inside the crust. Because that's the uh, that's the oneness of everything. We're all one. Yes. Um, do we learn like all day, like the inner Torah when we die, or when Mashiach comes? When we die, we learn inner Torah all day. But there's no day or night, and there's, mm-hmm. there's it's not you like you know. Uh, I think it was on this page over here. <laughs> you you're you're kind of part of it. While you're in, while you're learning it, you're also it. <laughs> it's a pretty cathartic experience because it's not you. Like now, if you want to study some Torah wisdom, you have to. There's you over the book of Torah, or you're in a class learning Torah, and there's a you, and then there's it. Here, you are it while discovering it. So, like you're, and that's why King David said, "I see God through my own flesh," because he he was there. David was there. And so he was just like, so you'd be like studying, you'd be studying the wisdom, but you'd also be looking at your body in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be, you'd see your body in the matrix of it all. And, and that's why King David said, I see my God through my own body. Mm-hmm. He, uh, that was just an example of that kind of a cathartic mm-hmm. experience that happens. Now, by the way, we know nothing about it. If it, may, if I, if I, if it sounds like I know something about what happens when you die, <laughs> we know nothing about it. We only know this from Kabbalistic sources and physics and stuff, knowing that everything's vibration. Well, if everything's vibrational, it's coming from a vibrational source. And that vibrational, it's got to be sourced. Everything's sourced. Nothing creates itself. So it's being sourced. Well, where is it being sourced? It's being sourced in a very large gradational realm that's getting it all the way to this outer crust of time and space. So obviously if you're no longer in the time and space realm, you're in the vibrational vibrations that lead to the outer crust. And this is not a... You don't have to be a genius or religious or... God fearing for any of what I'm talking about. This is the most obvious thing in the world. You can take it from physics, you can take it from Kabbalah. But that's the facts. Is that you you all you've been in it your whole life. You just can't, you're not cognizant of it. And but once your brain is no longer limited by your eyes and your ears and your smell and your touch and your taste, because you all think your ta- your taste buds enable taste. They're blocking taste. 
your eyes, you think they enable sight? They're animals that see much better than us. We, your eyes are only allowing you to see what, we, what you need to see, to not freak out at what's really visible when, you, when you're in reality, which is not here. Here is just some outer crust free will video game that we're in here. You're in an outer crust free will video game over here. And your eyes are only privy to that much. Now there are people who, and we have a place for them, um, who actually do have that ability to see. But they don't, they don't last long. They don't last long around here. Uh, they, they generally get uh, put away in, in Funny Farm. And the few I've met that were on the border, like, kind of in, but then they would always send them out because there wasn't enough room or whatever. They don't, I don't think I've ever had one live past a few years. You know, it's just a matter of time before something is wrong. And they, they don't make it. They don't, those guys don't last so long. And some of them have achieved it, like Arya Kaplan, for example, was someone who achieved those eyes. Now, if you achieve the eyes, you're the most sane person there is. You're the number one top sane person of the generation. And so Arya Kaplan did achieve those eyes. And, uh, but God took him. And he was, some say he was telling too much. He revealed so much in his books, in his teachings. And interestingly, he was a physicist. This great rabbi was a physicist. Arya Kaplan was actually a, a, a physicist on a very high level. And, uh, but he got taken. In his 30s or something. 40s? 40? How old was he? He was 40, but he was a... Yeah, I thought he was 38. I think it was... I don't think he was 40 yet. Yeah. Anyway, but he got taken. And uh, he's not the first one. He's not the first one. And I don't know what the circumstances of him getting taken, but, but there are some amazing stories of the last couple hundred years of Kabbalists that got taken in front of the eyes of everybody, meaning everyone's watching him get taken in perfect health. You know, and many have said goodbye. Many have no, knew they were getting taken and said goodbye. And people still in this generation have it, know when it's time. Some very high-level people mm. say goodbye, cover taken clothes. Is not dead. What's that? Taken is not being dead. Not being what? Dead. Taken means dead, meaning physically dead. No, meaning uh, taken meaning in their health, in their young years, they were, they had crossed the border of life and death. Don't forget, most of us are dead right now. I mean, you're you're right now. You're ninety nine percent dead. The only part of you that's keeping you alive is <laughs> the only part of you that's keeping you alive right now is this thinnest little membrane called the nephesh, and it's not the whole nephesh, it's the very last thinnest membrane of the nephesh is why you're alive right now. If you didn't have their nephesh, and your nephesh is, that's what keeps you alive right now, but all the rest of the nephesh, and all of the ruach, and all of the neshama, and all of the chaya, and all of the echida are already there. That's where they are. They're always there. Most of you is there already. But the tiniest part that vivifies you, it gives life to your body right now and gives all the electrical pulses to your heart. And where does your heart get electricity from? You ever thought about that? And that's why my, you know, they, 
I'm, I'm dealing now. Now we're on electricity because my heart, Baruch Hashem, has great structure. So, so it's a fine structure from clean arteries. Uh, the, now we have electrical questions. I, I really, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask the top special. I'm actually, uh, obviously, I'm in touch with the top specialists in all of Israel in uh, the electrical nature of the heart. And my question will be to him once he gets to know me a little better. I decided not to drop that on him yesterday. Um, is uh, where does the electricity come from? That's causing the heart. You know, they can hook up a, a pacemaker that tells when to spark. I mean, it, it can get its, it can pace the electricity. But where's the electricity coming from? So electricity is coming from the nefesh. And the nefesh is, and there's nefesh in every living being, vegetable, animal, everything has a nefesh. Even this wood, even though it's no longer alive, is, it's, well, it's, it's nefesh has got, gotten heavily lowered by being chopped down, the tree getting chopped down. Which is a good reason to be a vegetarian. You'll notice, by the way, we only take, um, we only eat animals. In Judaism, we only eat animals that are, that are givers. We only eat animals that are givers. Any animal that, that kills is no, no longer on the list. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The sun gives. Then the earth gives. And then the animals get that. And then there's, there's something called a uh, chaya ra. The word ra is the word for evil. And what does it mean, evil? Evil means to take, whereas good means to give. And so the, the animals that are good for us to eat are givers. And what's called a chaya ra is an animal that takes, it will take life um, for its own subsistence. And that's not something which is kosher for the Jewish people is to take from a, a taker. We don't, we don't, that's not for us to touch. Uh, we only give, we only uh, take from the givers. And the, uh, and the, that's, that's basically how things work in kosher stuff like that. And it's even uh, better in general to avoid meat altogether except for, um, you know, what, what everyone's got to kind of diet. Like I need minimal amount of meat. I need like a couple times a week is the maximum amount of meat intake I need. And even that's, Shabbos, and the, uh, but when I eat the other foods I eat, they're really givers. They're really givers. You know, there's nothing. There's no life being taken out from that that thing, and that's what's causing, and that's now getting digested and becoming my body. My body's made of these givers, and so mm. it tends towards a more giving state to be having your body made of a giving energy, which is the vegetation, the sun to the earth, to the vegetation, to the, it becomes a more giving cycle that you live in. And, but there is time for animal, animal protein. And uh, it certainly is, uh, it's got its place. And I certainly have a few pieces of fish throughout the week and uh, a little chicken here and there. Holidays, a little beef. <laughs> Not that anyone was asking about my diet, but, uh, We'll, we'll, um, I think, is it after four, Rabbi? Yeah. Um, so let's just close our eyes for a moment for the last part. Close your eyes and breathe, getting in touch with the fact that there's a being infinitely beyond that which it creates. Meaning, we just thought, we just were teaching about how it fills all creation. But this is a being 
that is so beyond our wildest imagination of what it is. It's beyond creation. Infinitely beyond creation. There is no ratio. Meaning if the space-time continuum that you're in, the entire expanding universe, if you call that one unit, it's one to infinite. It's infinitely bigger. And that's the name of God that we call Hashem, Yud and He and Vav and He, which means was, is, and will be, and the master of it all, which we call the king, Melech HaOlam, the hidden king, or the king of the world, king of the universe. But the word universe is the word hidden, because you can only have a universe if the king hides himself into the universe, Melech HaOlam. Keep breathing and getting in touch with God infinitely beyond the creation. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale, holding your breath. Focusing on the energy between your eyes and realize that you have a relationship with the King, which is just beyond belief. Only knowing that because of being of prophecy. Exhale. Realizing that there would be no way to know that you even could have a relationship with the king of the universe except for prophecy. If it were not for prophecy, you would have to study the world through the divine, through the inner crust. But because you are a descendant of a nation of prophets, tribes of Israel. You have a relationship to the king. That's all by a prophecy. Inhale. Exhale slowly and know that it is so. Opening up your eyes. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.